Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. Welcome, Dolphins fans, to this Friday episode of Locked On Dolphins, and we are free. The Charles Harris era is over in South Florida. The Miami Dolphins have agreed to trade defensive end Charles Harris to the Atlanta Falcons for a 2021 seventh round draft selection. That is the news this morning, which comes off the heels of the Dolphins yesterday cutting defensive end Taco Charlton. So, uh, Dolphins were on a deadline trying to figure out what they were going to do with these two contracts, and they acted swiftly in both cases, uh, not wasting any time uh, to clear the roster. Dolphins removing both 2017 first-round picks, Charles Harris and Taco Charlton, from their roster in a span of 24 hours. And the trade for Charles Harris getting moved to Atlanta for a seventh-round pick is impressive because they got something. And you think about the Dolphins and the way that they handled their offseason last year. They didn't sign anybody in free agency. They were very inactive in the early portions. And they ended up getting some compensatory picks, two compensatory picks, uh, for their troubles. Uh, The Dolphins will not be getting any compensatory picks in 2021. The reason being, uh, the amount of money that they handed out and and signed players to throughout the course of the first wave of free agency uh, is going to eliminate any potential losses, and this team had no losses to give that would potentially yield compensatory picks to begin with. So uh, this is the Dolphins' solution. And spoke with my co-host on Draft Dudes, Joe Marino, who's a Buffalo Bills guy, and the Bills are several years ahead of the Dolphins as far as their own rebuild. And Joe likened this to what we've seen the Buffalo Bills do uh, in recent years with their general manager, Brandon Bean, is now that their roster is a little bit more advanced and they feel like they're closer to competition and, and they're more primed to spend, your answer to recouping extra draft picks is no longer exploiting the compensatory pick formula, and you can take that on a year-by-year basis, right? Like if you got all your players locked in, long-term, but you got a guy who you feel like you don't want to give a new contract to, and he's coming off the books, and you feel like your roster's fairly set, yes, you can do the New England Patriots play, in which you uh, perhaps trade for a veteran who's on an expiring contract and give up a fifth-round pick for that, and then you let him play, and he plays really well, and he signs a, a or signs a high-end deal because he played really well for you for a season in a plug role, and all of a sudden you get a third- or fourth-round compensatory pick, and you cashed out a higher pick than the one you traded for in the first place. That's how the Patriots handle this. But the Dolphins, with them being so active in free agency, the answer for the Dolphins continuing the trend of picking by volume was this. Find players, identify players that are not a part of your long-term answer and move them for whatever you can get for them. Don't expect the Dolphins to come into the, the 2021 NFL draft with three third-round picks because they traded Xavier Howard and Jerome Baker and Devon God. They're not going to go that extreme. But these fringe players, players that are 
useless to you because you've seen what they can provide, but might have value because they're on rookie contracts and other teams liked them when they came up through the NFL draft process, like a Charles Harris, it's a perfect move to make. Because, let's be honest, the Dolphins have made some big transactions over the course of the past 12 months, including amongst them trading former first-round picks in Laramie Tunsil and Minka Fitzpatrick. Those are players who will be sorely missed. But at the very least, you got three first-round picks and a second-round pick for your troubles there. But nonetheless, high-end players both made the Pro Bowl this year, their first year outside of Miami, young talents, they will be missed. Ain't nobody missing Charles Harris. Because you might not, might as well not even know Charles Harris was gone. Based on how little production we got from this football player throughout the course of the 2019, 2018, and 2017 seasons. Chris Greer, to his credit, has had very good fortunes with the first round in getting quality football players. He's been the general manager since 2016. His total control tenure started at the beginning of 2019. But as the, by title, general manager, he's drafted Laramie Tunsil, Charles Harris, Minka Fitzpatrick, Christian Wilkins, Tua Tonga-Valoa, Austin Jackson, and Noah Igbahagny. Eight first-round picks since 2016. Three of them are off the roster. 16, 17, and 18. 16, they didn't want to trade but they got an offer that was too good to refuse as far as positional value for an offensive tackle that's going to ask for $20 million a year and ended up getting like $22 million a year. He reset the tackle market by 23% this year, this offseason, and had some issues with penalties, which continued again in 2019 for the Texans. Very good football player nonetheless. And the fact that the Dolphins got what they got for him is a testament to how good of a pick it was. And the fact that the Dolphins' life cycle changed does not diminish how good of a pick that was. Because their life cycle changed and it made it an acceptable move to make to trade him. Their pick in 2018, Mick Fitzpatrick, named first team All-Pro this year. Another good football player. The fact that he's gone does not diminish the fact that it was a good pick simply by the fact that Minka decided he didn't want to be here. Mink and his mom made it all about, oh, well, his usage, he's covering tight ends, he doesn't want to do that, he should be playing single high free safety. And then he goes and plays single high free safety, and by the end of the year he's complaining about playing single high free safety in Pittsburgh because he couldn't make enough impact plays. Was it really about your usage, or did you just not want to be on a bad team for a year, Minka? Dolphins did not want to trade him either. They had the owner, the head coach, and the GM all met with Minka Fitzpatrick and tried to smooth things over. He said, no, nope, I don't want to be here. Well, because of the Dolphins' life cycle, they had just hit the reset button. If you got a bad apple that's got a bad attitude because he feels like he needs to be put in a bigger, prominent role in the back end so he can make more splash plays, and he's not going to buy in, that's a tone-setting message sender. You had to do it. You could have kept him and told him to suck it up and keep playing. and But you don't want that negative energy in your locker room. Not in year one. Not with a rookie head coach. In the midst of an aggressive rebuild. And you saw how the Dolphins team... Eric Rowe stepped into that role and played tight ends and played well. 
So, yes, it, it hurts that Mick is gone. Charles? Charles played 1,200 snaps for the Miami Dolphins. 1,273 defensive snaps. Three and a half sacks to show for it. 41 games played. 10 tackles for loss. 23 quarterback hits. Three and a half tackles for loss. 41 games played. 1,200 snaps. Where did it go wrong? Ahead of the 2017 NFL Draft, my personal assessment of Charles Harris was that of a fourth-round player. I have the report up here. I'll read you guys the synopsis. Missouri's Charles Harris is a well-built pass rusher with the tools to be a high-end starter at the NFL level, but Harris will need to improve with his play diagnosis and football intelligence. Too often, he is his own worst enemy and fails to adjust his course based on his initial sight lines. As a rusher, Harris is a potent mix of twitch and power, which makes him a handful to account for on the boundary. Yet when Harris is left to roam the edge, as he has been in Missouri, it promotes poor habits in the run game, and too, hard, too often Harris will run himself out of contention in plays. Harris will need mental reconditioning in order to even out the end results of his play on a snap-by-snap -snap basis. With that says, his size athleticism profile warrants consideration late on day two, which would be the third round of the NFL draft. He is a potentially potent linear athlete. Keywords being here, linear. Uh, listen, I'm, I am not the be-all, end-all as far as scouting NFL talents. I've been doing this for seven years, and I, I've had a lot of great mentors who have helped me kind of grow into uh, a place where I feel like I'm the best I've ever been at it. Uh, but this is one that I look back on, and I'm proud to have uh, come up with some of the, the synopsis and, and evaluation here of Charles. Keywords here being linear, athlete, mental reconditioning, and his own worst enemy. That's what we saw with Charles Harris. Uh, stiff. He's stiff. If Charles Harris had bend, he could have finished probably a good number of the plays that he was a step away from making. Uh, and this Missouri defensive line that they, they'd run throughout the course of several years, uh, Shane Ray came up through the same program and was a bust uh, for the Denver Broncos, they just let the defensive ends fly up the field. They have Joey Porter syndrome. I don't know if you guys remember Joey Porter playing for the Dolphins, but Joey Porter loved penetration was the be-all, end-all. To hell with your run fits. To hell with gap contain. To, edge with edge, to hell with edge contain. I'm going to get in the backfield. Oh, shoot, they slipped up inside me again. Oh, shoot, they slipped up inside me again. Maybe I should adjust my course. Nah, I'm just going to go get, keep going in the backfield. That's the way Charles Harris played at Missouri. And there were too many lapses uh, with his hand fits, his run fits, his gap, and no ability to win off of first contact as a pass rusher. He was uh, somebody who was encouraged. He had an above-average 10-yard split, a 165, which is pretty impressive. Encouraged to play out in space and use that first step to take ground. But when you are out of a system like they have in Missouri where it's all penetration all the time and you can't thrive off that first step and suddenly you're not the elite athlete that you were at Missouri, you find you need to be able to implement new things to win. And Charles Harris over the course of three years never showed development in deconstructing blocks because he was never asked to do it at Missouri. 
Why did Miami make that pick? I'm not sure. Obviously, picking 22nd, you're in a position where uh, you need to... You're not going to get a slam dunk player versus picking in the top 10 or the top 5. It's a little bit further down in the order. T.J. Watt went after the Dolphins pick, though. So, like, this is the black mark. You know, people will point and say, oh, Chris Greer, you know, he couldn't retain this talent and so on and so forth. And, like, that's that's fine. It's, it's, it's a regime change with a grossly unorthodox and aggressive rebuild that called for... Minka Fitzpatrick to be traded because that was what prompted Minka to be unhappy. And Laramie Tunsil was traded because you don't get that offer for quarterbacks, let alone an offensive tackle. Doesn't mean Chris Greer made bad picks in those situations. The Charles Harris pick was a bad pick. And the fact that we got anything for him is a minor miracle. Uh, we should be happy to see a return on investment of any kind, even if it is a scratch-off lottery ticket, which it is because the Dolphins are trading him for a 2021 seventh-round pick. It's something. And with how badly this experiment has gone, we should be readily willing and thrilled to take something for Charles Harris. If you're like me, you're probably thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without ever leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, they've created non-contact delivery, so when I order from local restaurants, everything I get is left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I've been using to take takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Guys, it's important to be supporting your neighborhood hotspots right now. I've only been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community in these trying times. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushis. They actually make my life easier by picking up everything I need from Walgreens and 7-Eleven and dropping it off outside the door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDONNFL. That's code LOCKEDONNFL for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. So what else is going on in the world? was not planning on spending 15 minutes talking about Charles Harris, but here we are. It's going to defer the rookie talk that I was planning on having today back to Monday, and that's fine. Uh, I want to make sure these rookies, we have plenty of time, right? I want to make sure these rookies get their due diligence. I want to make sure we don't, I don't rush a segment to talk about a rookie because it's important for us to know who they are as people, what their backgrounds are, who they are as players, how they fit into the puzzle that we have on an individual case-by-case basis. So we'll talk about Austin Jackson and Noah Hunt or Noah Bahagany and Robert Hunt and Raekwon Dave. Like, we'll get deep dives in all these guys. But we talked about Tua Tungavaloa yesterday. And I had an epiphany, if you will. Um, Tua Tungavaloa is the olive branch 
And what I mean by that is he is the football god's olive branch between one of the greatest college coaches of all time and the Miami Dolphins organization who have been at odds. The Dolphins have been tortured by the curse of Nick Saban for 13 years now. People talk about the quarterback search and looking for the answer to Dan Marino and Dan Marino's hair. Did you guys know that in the six years after Dan Marino in six years after Dan Marino retired, the Dolphins were 35 and 45 and 37? Had five year winning seasons in six years after Dan Marino, in the immediate aftermath after Dan Marino retired. And one of those years was a four and twelve season that Ricky Williams retired on like the midnight hour before training camp. So five, five of the six seasons, not counting the Ricky Williams retirement year that ended up spelling doom for Dave Wanstatt, the Dolphins were 41-25. and 25. Amazing defense. Good running game. Competent coaching. Not great coaching. Competent coaching. 41-25 and 25 over a five-year stretch. Imagine that now as a Dolphins fan. How thrilled would you be with that record? But nonetheless, they were 45 and 37 because the 4 and 12 year with Ricky Williams did happen. That six year stretch also included Nick Saban's first year in Miami. The Dolphins went seven, or 9 and 7, had momentum. They get into the offseason, they're ready to get a quarterback. Nick Saban and the Dolphins, they target Drew Brees, quarterback, and this is so well documented. And the doctors flunked Brees on his physical, and the Dolphins instead elected to acquire Dante Culpepper instead. Well, within three years, Culpepper was out of the league. Nick Saban had bounced back to the college game, uh, going to Alabama seemingly overnight while I at a press conference telling everybody, I don't know how i got to say it, I'm not going to be the next head coach at Alabama, and then like three days later he's the next head coach at Alabama. And Drew Brees uh, won a Super Bowl, and by year 2011, some six years later, uh, passed for 5,476 passing yards and 46 touchdowns, led the league in both. Passed for 44,000 yards and led the NFL in passing the year the Dolphins passed on him, and he signed in New Orleans. Team went 10-6 and six that year. Dolphins went 6-10. and 10. Saban bounced out. It's been 13 years since Saban tucked tail and went back to Alabama. 13 years. You know who wears number 13? Dan Marino. You know who else wears number 13? Tua Tungavaloa. Tua won't wear 13 in Miami. Let's get that out of the way right now. Ain't no way that's going to happen. It's even insane that we're asking. But did you also know, since the time of Nick Saban and the Nick Saban Memorial Bubble and his two-year tenure at Miami before bouncing, Dolphins had five winning seasons in six years between the time Dan Marino retired and the end of Nick Saban's first year. It's been 13 years since Saban left. Dolphins have had two winning seasons. Dolphins have also, before the 2020 NFL Draft, drafted two Alabama players. Running back Kenyon Drake was a third-round pick in 2016. And he had his moments. Man, and his moments were nice. We had the Monday night game against New England. We had the Miami Miracle. 
But Kenyon Drake was traded at the NFL trade deadline in 2019, and in eight games with the Cardinals, ran for 643 yards, which is one yard less than his season career high in a full season in Miami. He ran for 644 yards over 16 games in 2017 as a career high mark with the Dolphins, and he ran for 643 yards in eight games with the Cardinals. And then, of course, there's Minka Fitzpatrick. Glowing reviews, high football character, high football IQ, one of the most upstanding men you'd ever come across in a locker room, one of Nick Saban's favorite football players, and he lasted 18 games in Miami because he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. And then he left Miami and was named an All-Pro his first year elsewhere, 14 games in Pittsburgh. Nick Saban's curse has lingered over this team from the time he made the decision not to sign Drew Brees and he left the Dolphins organization. 13 years since then, just two winning seasons, every Alabama player that they have has been a letdown and immediately gotten better when they went somewhere else. And you could point to coincidences and coaching and whatever, but that's not convenient for what I'm talking about right now. What's important right now is Alabama and Nick Saban have been unkind to the Dolphins. And it's very poetic that a quarterback from Alabama, who wears the same number as Damarino, in the same number of years that is that number, since Nick Saban left Miami, the Dolphins have a quarterback now with Nick Saban's blessing. And Nick Saban said on a video conference with South Florida Media that he was hoping Miami would get to a And before the draft, he said, I hope teams don't make the same mistake I made in Miami with Drew Brees. This is it. This is the olive branch that is going to put the Nick Saban curse to bed. Or conversely, it's a Trojan horse that's going to set this organization back another 10 years and go up in a blaze of glory. But I choose to be optimistic right now. Because the Dolphins, they drafted two Alabama players in this year's draft. And Nick Saban, uh, with his blessing of two in Miami and, and the, the well wishes and hoping that it was going to work out and acknowledging, I hope teams don't make the same mistake that I did 13 years after he left with Tua and Dan both wearing 13. There's enough here for me to say, this is the football gods and their justice at work. And I'm going to choose to believe that to be the case. Might it not be the case? Yes. But I'll be darned if I'm not going to choose to read the tea leaves and be an optimist. And the only questions I have with two are the durability. And if his body breaks down, maybe we're just destined to do this forever. An endless cycle of hope and disappointment and misery. But that's not the mentality we need to have right now because we are in the hope cycle right now. And if we can put the ghost of Nick Saban and Drew Brees and that snafu from 2006 behind us, this franchise will be in a much better place. This franchise can return back to their once proud winning ways. Two winning seasons in 13 years after Nick Saban's left, 
and they've been haunted the entire time by the, the ghost of that decision with Drew Brees. By the way, this year is also Drew Brees' openly publicized last year in the NFL. Coincidence? I think not. I'll let you be the judge, though. That's going to do it for us here on the show today. I thought thought this would be a fun little tangent to get into talking about the Dolphins and the dynamics of their quarterback search and some coincidences that we found and, and hopefully a little bit of good karma and juju along the way thanks to uh, one of the, the prominent figures who's led us down this path and the decision that was made back in 2006. This time around, hopefully the Dolphins got it right and didn't play it scared, didn't play it close to the vest, They swung big, they swung for championships, and that's something we have to talk about next week as well. The championship pedigree that the Dolphins are building, despite not playing in a Super Bowl since before I was born, and I was born in the 80s. Kyle Crabb signing off. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked on Dolphins. Hit subscribe, enjoy your weekends. Come on back, see me again on Monday. Power to the pot on Tuesday to look forward to, so you guys make sure you're brainstorming those talking points you want to hear us hit on the show.